0: up this is Diz. peace this is outlaw and you listen to the 80 baby podcast and we're back again with
1: another tribute (laughs) yeah we just gotta wrap up the year with this one like we said before the
0: fall of 93 and 98 was just jam-packed full of albums pretty crazy we got a 25 year this time so maybe that's that changes it up a little bit doggy style yes the debut album from snoop doggy dog west side released november 23rd
1: 1993 yeah so yeah, so this is a big one. I, I believe that you've said numerous times that between the chronic and doggy style, this is definitely your preferred choice. Yes,
0: not even close. Okay. And maybe that's a maybe that's a where were you I think we talked about this before, like for me Everybody thought Dr. Dre was really cool, but nobody Ooh, wanted to be Dr. Dre when I was right. a kid. When I was a kid, everybody wanted to be Snoop Dogg. He was he's, just the coolest.
1: People still want to be Snoop yeah. Dogg. He's still yeah. cool. He's a
0: grown ass man, and, and we're all grown ass men, and people still want to be Snoop He's soon, still so. cool though. So where were you? So I just remember when the album came out, I
1: remember two specific moments. Uh, First of all, I I definitely knew who Snoop Dogg was. So this is 93, and even though I wasn't able to listen to hip hop on my own, I had to get it in little bits and pieces, right? Like I Mm -hmm. spoke the other day on the Tribe episode that, like, oh, if I was in the car with my parents and they were listening to something, but it was a commercial and they had nothing on, I could say, hey, go to my station because I knew what that was, right? Right. But, you know, so every now and then, you know, I was able to sneak away, catch a video here and there. I remember once I had to wait for my my dad at his place, which is actually right across the street around the Hoffman Center. Uh, And I remember that... um, I remember he had this old handheld radio. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, the old joint with yeah, like the you pull antenna, out the antenna. you pull out the antenna Yay. and you got the little knobs and stuff. And I remember just waiting for him and putting it on to, it was probably 93.9 WKYS. Mm-hmm. And I just remember, uh, what's my name? The uh, Snoop Doggy Doll Dogg came on and I was yeah. just like, I just sat listening to the whole thing. Just yeah. Like, wow, this is, I like this. This is cool. The other big moment I remember was, I think it was like 4th of July. We were actually on base. Yeah. And my friend at the time, who his parents were in the military as well. They were there waiting for the fireworks. He had, I think he actually had the tape or the CD or, or something. Maybe yeah. he had it on. Maybe he had a, a, a recording of it. Who knows? Mm-hmm. But he put on that Jenna juice. And I remember really liking it. And then that was pretty much it. So those yeah. are kind of my memories as, as, as a child. It wasn't until later that obviously, you know, like Snoop Dogg was one of those prominent figures that you always kind of get in, getting his music here and there. But it wasn't until I became like a junior in high school where I went back to listen to this album specifically. And the two songs that really struck me were the Shiznit and mm-hmm. Pump Yeah, uh, For two entirely different reasons, but there's the musicality on the Shiznit was mm-hmm. unlike anything I had ever heard. And of course yeah. this was like 2000 when I'm hearing it. So it was a little, a little after the fact, but anyway, so those are kind
0: of my where were you moments for mm-hmm. this album. Man, I got a lot of where were you moments. I'll say the, the original where were you moment. I remember, you know, again, I'm a kid. My household is, is like, they're cool with rap, but like not really entirely because at the time all this stuff's going on with C. Dolores Tucker and everything where it's like, oh, rap is bad, X, Y, and Z. So we couldn't really have like super explicit like music around the house, you know, mm-hmm. tapes or whatever. But I remember watching TV. Maybe I was watching with family or something like that. And I remember seeing Snoop Dogg getting his hair braided on the, on the patio on his little porch right. with, uh, with the hockey jersey on and the That's whole right. nine. Yeah. He, he, he
1: likes to ter- take credit for uh, sporting the hockey jersey. Yeah,
0: first. I mean, that was the first time I saw yeah. it. And I just remember being like, wow, this is so cool. And then I remember coming outside to play with my friends. You know, I'm in elementary school. I'm, I'm like a, a real little kid and it's playing on the block and everybody's playing. And then we had um, my homeboy who lived across the street from me and his older brother used to babysit us. His older brother's banging the tape too. So like the, mm. the same joint is everywhere. I think it was gin and juice at the time. Yeah. And I remember, you know, being like, wow, like this was like ubiquitous. And I remember his mom throwing out the tape and then him buying it again. Of course. Cause it was that serious. It was that serious. And I remember him, uh, he got in trouble because <laughs> So when we were kids, our parents would like kind of make us watch like parts of these like gangster movies or whatever or things on television to kind of show us like you don't want to be involved in this life. Like you wanna, you know, you wanna be above board. And I remember his mom made him watch this video one of these like gangster movies or something where the dude had taken like a like a hanger or something and he had made the shape of whatever his his gang was, his gang brand, and he branded himself between his fingers, like between his thumb and his forefinger, right? So, <laughs> So my man, I'm not gonna name him, but my man who used to babysit me, he, his mom made him watch this and then him and his crew decided that that was an excellent idea and they branded themselves the way they did on the movie. <laughs> so he was in big trouble. He got this tape thrown out because his mother assumed that it was a result of him listening to this joint and he went and got it again. He, had like, he got like three separate copies of this record. That's how crazy this record was. I just remember it being everywhere. I remember this was one of the first records I also taped off of the radio. Mm-hmm. So I had my little tape I remember taping gin and juice and nothing but a G thing on the same tape. And oh, okay. so I had like, that was my little Snoop Dogg and Dr. Dre, you know, combo. Right. Um, but yeah, man, I mean, super impactful artist. Probably for me as a young, impressionable black kid growing up, this was probably the first. You know, I mean, besides Michael Jackson. Michael of Jackson, course. everybody had a fake white glove. Everybody yeah, yeah. tried to do the moonwalk in their kitchen with their with their socks on. But other than that, this was like the first time where it was like, this guy was a superhero. He was larger than life. You ain't gonna want um, to be a motherfucking hustler. <laughs> you better ask somebody. And then I would say when I really came back and really appreciated it was actually after college, moving back to Cali, I don't remember what situation it was, but I had I bought my car and I had a certain amount of CDs that I just had in my car. And one day I remember putting the CD on And, you know, I mean, there's certain records on here that are just so huge that, you know, when you listen to it, like, you have to listen to Ain't No Fun. You have to listen to Who Am I. You have to listen to Doggy Dog World. Like, these are records that, even if you never listen to the album, you've heard these songs before. So it was like, I was familiar with the album, but not to the level of, like, me, like, listening to every single track and knowing the skits and knowing in between. I didn't really get into it on that level until, like I said, moving back to Cali after college. Interesting. And, um... The Shiznit, like immediately, you know, like, I mean, it's like I I appreciated it before, but then like my level of appreciation for it, like it became one of my top three favorite Snoop Dogg songs just from, you know, that time frame of running this album. There's some other records that we can talk about when we get, get more into it, but that was my, I guess, second encounter with the album. Okay. So, uh... I don't know what's the next next piece we want to hit
1: well we could just hit the critical reception and obviously we're you know this is not to put you up this is not to make it a classic this is a tribute so like most tributes this one was definitely critically acclaimed and i think of the early death row catalog i mean obviously you've got this you've got the chronic Mm -hmm. i think that in terms of i think in terms of like hip-hop documentarians Mm -hmm. or the hip-hop historians half of whom probably aren't even black and They love, like, observing it with the fishbowl mentality. They would Mm -hmm. probably put the chronic above this. But I think the people who were a little bit younger and growing up with the music, not just just observing it and and trying to be objective about it, just appreciating the music. I would like to say that most people put this one above the chronic. Hmm. I would
0: think so. I was doing some reading just because of the fact that, like you said, for us, right, we were kind of younger. So I think... We were looking up at this album instead yeah. of looking, looking at it, you know, at, from like a more mature lens. Right. But yeah, it seemed it seemed that uh, quite a few of the critics actually felt as though it had bit the chronic. I'm doing air quotes, but you didn't, you you guys can't see them. But like bit the chronic in that like it's like oh, more of the same from Dr. Dre and Snoop Dogg, which I thought was really interesting because this is to me it's like when you get an A on a paper and then you just take it to the next level. Like it's like, yes, it's in the same vein as the Chronic a bit, but it's just it's just on a whole nother level in my opinion. I would agree.
1: I think I understand where they're coming from, both yeah. from the musicality and from the subject matter. Right. Uh, this one, I think that you can make the argument that the Chronic is shedding light on certain like lifestyles or personality or yeah. certain perspectives from the hood this does it on a whole other level like yeah. the maturity level of this album is just none like this is like a Beavis and Butthead level of maturity yeah it's just so good at it right and it, even now like I go back and listen to it and I still kind of appreciate some how sophomoric aspects oh, definitely. of this album are but like definitely. what can I say it appeals to my you know my, my young ignorant adolescent self but that just goes to your point of just how well this album was executed, particularly yeah. like when we talk about like the radio skits and everything like that, like I still chuckle when I hear half of that shit. Another so. thing that
0: um I read that was said about this though is that the one thing that, that people who were critics may have felt that made this better than The Chronic was um that The Chronic did a lot having to do with disses and beef, which we talked about you know, in, in our Chronic episode and so they felt like the music on this album was going to be a lot more timeless because it didn't bother itself with staying pigeonholed on on like a specific beef or 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 issue that snoop had with other people which i thought was was pretty astute of them at the time it
1: also has more timeless records yeah you know the chronic has nothing but a g thing if you want to say uh cruising my six four is a mm. timeless record, you could, but I don't think it gets the love that none but G Thang gets. Yeah. Same thing with Dre Day. I'm not sure what other records on there would really be considered timeless records in their own right, without you know the, the full I body. Work.
0: Ti- I think I think most of that project is timeless, but I think but from a about like the individual track from, standpoint, from a like everybody can accept yes, that this is I mean. a classic, like regardless of your. Uh, I mean, this one you've point.
1: got gin and juice, you've got the shiznit. You've got what's my name, you've got Ain't No Fun, you've got Doggy Dog World, um, yeah. Murder was the case that they gave me. Like there's a lot of like timeless records on here. Yeah. So I, I think it just it just has more. Yeah. Um, and even though that nothing but a G thing was probably a more pivotal moment gin and juice i still can't find any fault in it man i mean that joint i was rocking that on the way over here and it's still it's a flawless piece of music
0: gin and juice was another level it's amazing yeah yeah. in fact
1: i think it's one of dre's best beats from this period if not the best i mean i think it's better than nothing but a g thing Hmm. um in terms of well for one Nothing but a think is a straight up uh, was it Leon Haywood right I Yeah, think that's the, uh, I want to do up, something freaky to you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, yeah it, it's just a straight loop, and then of course he adds his um, this little synth. Yeah, that's right. Something. He he adds that, but like I don't know what the gin and juice sample is. I'm sure there is a sample in there, yeah. but I don't I don't know what it is.
0: Yeah, I was reading an article about the way this album was constructed, and the engineer was essentially saying that Dr. Dre's process is he throws like a sample out there right Mm -hmm. to start building on and he said like you know people come in and out of the studio as he's working but he'll throw a, a sample in there and then in his mind he'll break down every sound in the sample and so like let's say there's a shaker in the sample he'll try to think of like what would be a shaker that's a better shaker than the shaker that's in there and then he'll duplicate it and then he'll be like what's a snare that's better than the snare here and so like he'll put the sample out there and then he'll almost replay it in a way that he thinks is better. And then he'll strip the sample away and then work with those elements. So but I thought
1: that was really interesting. Did he do that around this time or was that more of the Chronic
0: 2001 time? No, no, no around Around this time. Around this time Yeah. Okay.
1: Either way, I, you know, I don't know anyone who doesn't like the album. I mean, I think Critical Reception, like I said, it's hard for me to say at the time because mm-hmm. you know this is 93 and I wasn't really as involved as I should have been but I just know that every time I would go back to revisit it and share my thoughts on somebody with the album who was probably revisiting it as well I mean we all love doggy style bad
0: so you want to go into the highlights well yeah why don't you start oh man like everything's a highlight one of the things I want to kind of highlight which it's kind of a highlight but it's just interesting to me is obviously Snoop Dogg is what the nephew of one of the dramatics. Yeah. So so that connection brings in the dramatics and it also brings in, you know, Dr. Dre and Snoop as folks that have a, a really good appreciation for like funk and soul music, mm-hmm. right? Um, Suge Knight also commented that he grew up listening to a lot of funk and soul records. And so like a lot of the stuff he was banging in his car kind of informed this album, right? But also, like, Nancy Fletcher is on this album. Who Her her father is Sam Fletcher. He's a jazz singer. David Ruffin Jr. is on this record. George Clinton himself was a part of this record. Just the influences of people who are legitimate musicians, I think, is something that makes this such an amazing piece of music.
1: I didn't know that Calvin Broaddus was a nephew of a dude in the
0: Dramatics. That's, yeah. that's a one musical family. Yeah, crazy, he, right? Because he's also cousins with Brandy and... Um, Right. Ray J right and Daz is his cousin and yeah. Warren G's his brother so his super, uh what, half brother what? yeah oh, super I musical that. family that's crazy yeah so that's a highlight um so yeah I'll just run it Gin and man. Juice obviously W Balls for some reason man like it's it's so ignorant and it's so sophomoric but I still can recite that joint like it's just hilarious the Shiznit is one of my top three all-time Snoop Dogg uh, songs. Murder was the case, of course. Serial killer still. Who am I? Ain't no fun. Doggy Dog World. My number one favorite Snoop Dogg song of all time. Is Doggy Dog World? Is Doggy Dog World. Yeah. And Pump Pump. Okay. What about you? So I'll just go to the songs first. So right. off the
1: top, I mean, Gin and Juice is... Yeah, like i said i was bumping it on the way over here and it's just i can't find any any faults in it it's an amazing piece of music even now yeah and it's one of those records that like even if you were to put it on the club like now like people would still like get into it Mm. um the shiznit i feel like the shiznit is one of the songs for like the music lovers Mm. if you were into crate digging or anything like that you just like had an appreciation for how how music comes together this is like a song for you like you know I know a a bunch of people who are actually into music, you know, either they were playing the drums or they played the sax or whatever. But like everybody connected with this song. Yeah. So, you know, I think that's one for the music lovers. Other songs that are real, real highlights. I mean, you mentioned a bunch of them. Yeah, Doggy Dog World is definitely a highlight. I love the Mm -hmm. fact that the dramatics are on there. Yeah, Yeah, And Pump Pump is something that I routinely Routinely had on the playlist. Yeah. Aside from that, the actual when you say W the balls, I'm not sure if you're referring to the skit itself or mm-hmm. the entire concept of the
0: W balls. Both, but uh, but that skit was what I was referring to. For me, to.
1: the entire yeah. concept of the W balls is executed really, really well. There's another artist who did something similar, and that was the Funk Doctor Spot. What was the name uh, of that radio? Uh, that they did
0: WKYA. We be kicking your ass. We be
1: kicking your ass. It's yeah. better executed on this, and it I makes agree. sense. It's executed to the point where. Where it's almost like the time of the day. Yeah. There's a different DJ for everything. Like you got the, the after hours. Right. You've got the the DJ Z dick. <laughs> uh there's just a whole a whole bunch of stuff um, yo but i think that's very well executed. so the name
0: of the guy who does these joints is is ricky harris okay. and and he continues to kind of do it throughout like if you follow dog pound projects mm-hmm. and snoop dog projects ricky harris is kind of always on there and he's the guy who's the dj easy dick and the whole night he's got like a real legit radio voice like he sounds like that's really a radio station
1: it sounds there's several different ones is he doing the voice for all of them I think he does the
0: voices for all the radio Interesting. joints. Interesting, because yeah. I feel
1: like they they were supposed to be like different personalities on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know, but but yeah, he's he's,
0: he's dope. And then he, I think he kind of started that
1: whole you know thing. Okay. And well, speaking of the dog pound, you were saying that this guy Ricky Harris does all the dog pound projects. But the dog pound yeah. is a highlight for me on this. Yeah, agreed. I thought Daz and obviously corrupt. Yeah, uh, is this the first time we really hear corrupt? How much was he uh-uh. featured on the Chronic? I don't remember. He was
0: on the Chronic Heavy. He was on Chronic Heavy. Stranded on Death Row was oh, yeah. was. That was right. a great one. He was on there a few times. Yeah. Do you think he's better on that or on this? I think he's more controlled on that I, I okay. th- or on this. I think back then they probably just told him to go in the studio and just, and just spit bars. Like yeah. he was probably just freestyling. This sounds a little bit more like they said, this is what the subject matter is. Yeah. You know, really try to make a song. He actually mentioned uh, in an article that I read. His verse on Ain't No Fun, which is obviously his most classic verse, if if not his most classic, one of his most classic. He mentioned that um, he initially came in and he did his thing. And then Snoop and the whole camp pulled him aside and they were like, yo, you can't kill people on every song. Like, (laughs) we need you to like give it to how you would talk to the ladies or whatever. And I guess that's how (laughs) you would talk to the ladies. But, you know, he had to change his verse in order to sculpt it to what the specifications were on a record.
1: Okay. Yeah, uh, that's cool. I didn't. I didn't know that. Yeah. The last highlight I would say is uh, Curtis Mayfield. He's uh, only featured on two tracks, but I love the fact that they got two Curtis Mayfield records as sound beds. Uh, they got one is uh, "Give Me Your Love." I think that's yeah. the one that opens it. Yeah, and then the next one is the. Um, Eddie, You Should Know Better. Yeah. That's the one and that's for the, the, end. the Sam Sneed.
0: Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. So I, li-
1: I like that they they kept it kind of consistent there. They probably could have put uh, another one in there, maybe like, you know, Freddy's Dead or something,
0: but it's okay. No, but it was perfect. Either I way, I, I like that they had uh, Curtis Mayfield on the sound beds. Can I add one? Sure, go ahead. Daz Dillinger. All right. You, you said the dog pound already. Yeah, um, and I specifically Daz, said Corrupt. Daz Dillinger because supposedly he produced almost this entire album. And supposedly what happened was at the time, Dre's name was really ringing in the streets in terms of, you know, everybody wanted to hear a record that was produced by Dre. And so Suge and them were like, look, Dre wants to take credit for these. Do you mind? And he's like, as long as you guys pay me, I don't care. So since then, they've had issues and he's sued and all this stuff has happened. But at the time, according to Suge and Snoop and all the people around them, Daz made these beats. Warren G. actually helped on a lot of them. Some of them that he's credited, they're credited for. But uh, supposedly Daz produced the bulk of this album. And I feel like we got to give him that credit. Well, if that's the case,
1: then we definitely have to shout shout that out because... These joints are incredible. And uh, Lady of
0: Rage for opening up the album. album. We gotta yeah, give her. I gotta have her... feelings about that. It's okay. Yeah, and it's funny because we we said this about the the Dr. Dre album, right? Yeah, I it's think like Snoop it, opens Snoop it up. Snoop opens it up, and right. and so here it's like we we finally get everybody's been waiting to hear this Doggy Style. Like everybody wants yeah. to hear Snoop Dogg's album. It's the biggest thing in the world, and then it finally opens up, and it's not Snoop rapping. That's actually yeah. kind of amazing. You <laughs> don't even so,
1: really right. get a verse until Gina Juice. <laughs>
0: yeah, I don't even think he's he doesn't
1: really get a verse on the G Funk era. He gets like a little hook or. A bridge or something like that yeah i don't think he's on that yeah rapping on there yeah yeah so. Anyway. so those are probably my highlights low lights so i mean we live in the me too era and even though i don't co-sign everything in the me too era i do kind of cringe now when i hear ain't no fun especially that yeah Daz verse yeah, 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 yeah. the rest of the song i don't mind it's really? just that
0: Daz verse in particular yeah yeah i feel like if you take that lens to it you could really take that lens to the entire album like just that one in particular
1: kind of gets me because to say that you had respect for someone and then she has sex with you and then you don't like i'm just kind of like really like because i can justify my (laughs) enjoyment for pretty much everything else on this album Mm. but that verse is just a little hard for me to do Interesting. Yeah, but here's the other thing too. Yeah, I don't hear that song on in the club anymore. What? I don't. I haven't heard oh, that well, song. Maybe,
0: maybe, maybe.
1: I haven't heard that song played in the club in at least five years.
0: Wow. But in California, the, you're definitely. Maybe in hear it California, every
1: night. but Ain't No Fun is a record that we heard all throughout high school. Oh, yeah. It's a record that we heard all throughout my college days. Uh-huh. It was a record that I heard, like I said, up until five years ago. Yeah. You know, it was one of the records where like. You know, you get you get to the club, and when you get there early because mm-hmm. this is back in the time we didn't have enough bread to just pay to <laughs> skip the line or whatever, so you had to get there early to get in for free, <laughs> whatever, right? They would always have like a set playlist. You would hear like Tupac, Machiavelli, Come With Me. You okay. might hear something like you know, Ain't No Nigga or um, I Just Want to Love You, Jay Z. Like uh, this record comes on during that time. Right, that ain't no fun. Right, right. Maybe it's because I don't club as much as I used to. I'll mm-hmm. completely cop to that. But I feel like I still hear classics Mm. from back in the day and Mm. i haven't heard this song on if you hear my nighttime experience in a very very long time if you
0: hear an old school west coast set i think this this song is always played and in cali you're always going to hear an old school west coast set i would almost equate it to suck it or not by cam if you're in new york and they play a up top set even though it's the me too era they're still gonna play suck it or not and the girls are gonna go crazier than the oh, guys are yeah, when it comes oh, on right, right yeah right. i know i want to shout out i already know how she's gonna feel about it i don't even have to say your name yeah, you know what it is Yeah, yeah. So i mean <laughs> i think that's their equivalent of it and, and cali you're gonna hear that on in that set so anyway uh so the only other low light for me <laughs> is the
1: sound effect and that check-in skit where he shoots Sam Sneed. Okay. <laughs> Come on, like you've got all these other good sound effects. You got all these other the album is mixed so well and it's like a cap gun makes a better sound than that shotgun. Like I, did you shoot him with a pellet? Like well, well, you know, that's not hard, that's not gangster. I'm gonna need a better sound effect for that gun clap when you're killing Sam Sneed. Oh, Aside bad. from that though, I don't really have any low lights for this album because I, I do yeah. think it's really good.
0: This album is is damn near perfect. If I had to pull one, I would pull G's and Hustlers of the current distribution of this album. But I mean, this album's damn near perfect. I can't even...
1: One thing about this album, I think, is that the last three songs, I think G's and Hustlers, G's Up, Holds Down, and Pump Pump kind of
0: don't really sound like they belong on this album either. Yeah, I would have put Pump Pump actually on The Chronic. I can see that. I feel like it would have fit better there. But I mean... (laughs) I don't have any
1: beef with it. I'm just, yeah. I've always kind of thought, I was like, you know, these beats is, I like them. I like mm-hmm. these songs, but they don't really sound like they go with the rest of this album. Yeah.
0: I feel like we're nitpicking though. We probably Even, are. Oh, another one I actually feel like though, could have gone on the last, actually a two song stretch that could have gone on the chronic instead. In my mind from the sound, mm-hmm. our murder was the case in serial killer. killer. Those two it. records sound more like the chronic records than they do doggy style records.
1: They do, but I, I think that they're necessary on here. I don't think definitely. I don't think this album comes together without those songs, especially. I wouldn't go that far. Murder the case is well. Murder (laughs) the case was the more famous of the projects, I think. But I mean, the sound of serial killer
0: and corrupts on there again is really really good. Yeah. So no, I mean it's an amazing album. Those are amazing records. I'm just saying in terms of like the production sound. Yeah. The aesthetic lends itself a little bit more to the chronic than to doggy style but i mean again i'm knitting like some people have said that the two albums sound the same which i don't
1: i don't think so at all yeah and i remember that when i was in high school going back to listen to both of them Mm -hmm. you know the chronic only got one or two listens and this is Mm -hmm. the one that stayed in my heavy rotation i think now as i'm older i'm much more willing to give the chronic more listens and we talked about that when we did the 25 year tribute for the chronic Mm -hmm. in fact actually when i went back to go listen to this I didn't enjoy it as much now as I did then. Mm. Um, that doesn't mean I, I don't like it. I did. Yeah. But I just remember like it was on heavy rotation. Mm-hmm. And this cycle, going back to listen to it, I didn't really need to repeat it as often, mm. which was kind of surprising for me because yeah. I was expecting it to really, really like because I, I liked it back in the day. Uh, yeah. You know, That's not really a knock on the album. I'm just surprised that right now in 2018, the entirety of the album didn't Sit as well with me, but and you know, I just again, it's kind of like nitpicking here. Thoughts
0: on one of the original Death Row gangsters, Lil Bow Wow, appearing as Young Snoop Dogg on yeah. the classroom yeah. intro. I,
1: I always thought that was cool. Um, that was a cool little bit when we, when we heard about that. Right. I think we all found out about that when Bow Wow, when Lil Bow Wow at the time, <laughs> came out with I forget what his single was. Oh yeah, what the fuck was his single when I it first maybe. came out? I don't know. I have no idea what that was. But anyway, when he first came out onto the scene, people were like, oh, yeah, you know, he's actually the one in the skit in that doggy style. I didn't find
0: out about that until way later. Oh, really? I think I found out when Bow Wow came out with the whole thing where he posted a picture of everybody on death row and then he like photoshopped himself into it. And this was like when he first people first started playing him on I.G., yeah, there was oh, like So
1: you didn't find out till way later. I found out until way later.
0: We're talking like twenty oh, you know, fifteen. Or I something. found out about a year or so
1: after Bow Wow became a thing. Because I okay. think Snoop Dogg even mentioned it. He yeah. talked about how they discovered Bow Wow. Right. Bow Wow actually came up to them and started rapping. So they were mm-hmm. they were impressed. Yeah. And initially they had him around, but then you know, they got guns in the studio, they got big all booty right. bitches in the studio, they got <laughs> blunts and shit all in there, so they didn't want him around that. Huh. And so they handed him off
0: to Jermaine Dupree. To right. race him up proper in ATL, or whatever. right, right, right. That's when I found out about it. I remember Snoop calling himself the Big Bow Wow and talking about how you know he had kind of shepherded Bow Wow when Bow Wow was coming up, right. But I still didn't know that he was the kid from from until I, I think until he might have even been in one later. of the videos. I think there was a video where maybe I could be mistaken. I should have gone back to go listen to the videos. Yeah. So that, that was a funny little Easter egg. Another funny little Easter egg on this album is, um, the fact that the shiznit was completely freestyle. You know, that that, doesn't surprise me. I don't, yeah, it sounds like a freestyle. Like it sounds like a run on freestyle, but I would say almost all of corrupts performances on this album and the, the chronic also sound like freestyles. And, uh, you know, when you talk to people who were around around the time when they made this, you know, they would say that basically Daz and Corrupt were like just two dudes in Cali who would just be standing on the on the corner and they would just be trying to get Corrupt to battle anybody who would battle them, and right. he would just freestyle for hours, and that's what it sounds like. like well, you know,
1: my understanding is that Snoop really, if ever,
0: wrote down any of his lyrics. That's not true. So supposedly of course DOC had gotten injured but Dre was supposed to be bringing DOC out as his first artist initially which he did but you know there was supposed to be more and so uh, DOC and Snoop supposedly wrote most of this album together. Oh do they? Yeah. So Snoop was talking about how like Dre would be working on beats and him and DOC would kind of go and and just work on records like till way late in in the night. So though a lot of this does sound freestyled. I think you know he he really did work together with D.O.C. to really create a lot of the concepts and writing on this joint
1: okay let me ask you something uh-huh. who does Lottie dotty better snoop or slick rick that's funny
0: i think from a nostalgia perspective i'm going snoop okay just because i grew up listening to that record I think that Slick Rick, obviously, Slick Rick's Lottie Dottie
1: is the more famous version. I think that's mm-hmm. the one, that's like the staple version. It's what you want to hear live, too. Yeah. Like it's, it's like a live record. It is, it is. Yeah. It's not like how, you know, like Whitney Houston takes Dolly Parton's record and all of a sudden it's Whitney Houston's record. This is yeah, It's not, it's not that. like that. Nah, it's not it's, that. At it's all. still Slick Rick's record, but I tell you what, the uh, beat on Lottie Dottie on this is really, really good. And yeah. I think that at the time, I didn't appreciate the beat as much because in my mind, when I was first listening to this, I was like, oh, this mm-hmm. is Snoop kind of doing his slow down rendition, right. West Coast rendition of a Slick Rick record. <laughs> I wasn't really paying attention to all the shit that was going on in the background. Yeah, yeah. And when I go went back to go listen to this recently, I was like, oh, wow. It's a really, really good piece of music. Yeah. It's
0: um, all because of you. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Let me ask you something else. Yeah. Who makes better use of the alphabet, Snoop Dog or B.I.G. B-I-G. B-I-G, G-I-E, A-K-A,
0: B-I-G, get it, Biggie. Who am I? The nickname, Nickname. last name, D-O-Double-G. my name
1: right, B-I-Double-G-I-E. Y-X-Y, as the world keeps spinning to the D-O-Double-G, Y. Snoop D-O-Double-G, or B-I-G. Yo, let me tell you. Ah, Snoop Dogg baby. is definitely a notorious user of the alphabet. N-O-T-O-R-I-O-U-S You just lay down slow. Yeah, notorious yeah. speller all the time. When I went back to go listen to it on this latest cycle, I just kept thinking about all the other MCs who spell a lot. And the I don't like that
0: shit, to be honest. <laughs> I don't like that spelling shit, yo. <laughs> I feel like when you run out of shit to say, you just start spelling shit. I-N-D-E-P-E-N-D do you know what that means? As somebody I guess who freestyled a lot Maybe it's just uh, something I'm partial to But like yeah. like I can hear when people run out of shit to say or do And they just start doing shit And mm-hmm. that's what that sounds like to me I gotcha But he does do it And then he does And then you know it leads to H tuna is V to the Chisel, my nizzle, used to dribble down in h to the is o v to the is a which when that song first came out i hated i it. still just don't because, like that song yeah it, that hook was just so derivative Oh, that, that hook but
1: uh i still don't like that song in fact yeah. side note real quick we're not gonna get on this too much but <laughs> when the blueprint first came out it actually mm. took a while for that album to grow on me. and I think the reason mm. why is because my first association with it was H to the Izzo, V to yeah. Ize, the hook, which I did not like. Yeah. I still don't really like that song <laughs> that much. So anyway. I like
0: the song. Just the hook is just, it's just so annoying. If you, if you listen to West Coast rap and then you listen to that, it's just so annoying. But then I remember when it came out, like a bunch of my classmates, because it came out around the time I moved to Brussels. And yeah. so a bunch of my classmates were like, do you know that he's spelling Hova? Like that's what Izzo man it's just like oh god like it just uh i, I well how do you feel about it still bothers me What it, how do you feel about snoop's
1: other mannerisms the for shizzle dizzle
0: i was okay with it until he became cartoonized right like now like the, this martha stewart version of snoop and then him doing it <laughs> like it's just like it's performative like back when he was doing it and it was just like he's him and he's doing his thing i think it was one thing but when it just became to me, now it's just like he's like a cartoon and like he's doing all this stuff, and people are like, oh, it's so creative. I don't know.
1: I'm not what sure if they feel that it's so creative. I'm not sure if I hear that from them, mm-hmm. but I will agree that he definitely has become almost like a, a caricature of himself. Yeah. But I can't necessarily fault him for doing that either. Mm. Um, it gets him attention and right. he can't necessarily help it mm-hmm. if this corny whitewashed America has taken to him. Like that's not mm. necessarily his fault.
0: So it is when you play it up. I'll give you well, a perfect example. Yeah, let, me give, let me They give didn't in initially
1: the he didn't initially do that. I'm not that's saying what I'm he initially saying. did, right,
0: but I I mean he's also like ten years into this at least. Yes. Right. But right. um I give you an example so you know me and jay as you know me jay e we used to have a a rap group together in college so the cartel right so me and jay at one point in time used to you know we would just sit up and just freestyle forever right Mm -hmm. and so jay had this had this apartment that kind of the door was always open people would come through they would be chilling out and so they would see us in their freestyle and they'd be like yo this is amazing and so they would come back and they would bring us drinks. Like, they'd be like, oh, yo, here, here's some beers. You guys are amazing. And then they'd bring their friends and they'd be like, oh, my God, you guys are amazing, right? So it kind of became a thing. So they started inviting us to these parties. So we go to these frat parties, you know, and we'd be there. People be, be oh, like, these guys are where, amazing. I see where this is going. These guys are amazing. So then, you know, we, we'd be freestyle and They'd be like, oh, man. And then we'd get invited to more parties. One day we were at a party and this guy walks up to us and he goes, oh my god i've seen these guys they're amazing they freestyle hey rap and me and jay looked at each other like we were just chilling at this party and and, and we're like now nah, we're good and they're like no seriously just rap like ju- just a little bit for my friends <laughs> nah like we're not just gonna perform on command like you know and they were like Upset that we didn't rap on demand for them, right? Did you not get invited back so to any more parties? I turned to Jay and I said, "I'm not coming to any more of these parties. We're not, yeah. do, we're not doing this shit anymore." So we intentionally did not rap for people anymore sure. like we, because it was just like, okay, at this point in time, we're not doing this anymore because this is our identity and we're enjoying it. Sure. We're now doing this for other people's entertainment. So that's what I'm saying with with Snoop, right? It's like, it's like now, it's like he's just isling and dizzling on command to try to make money, and it's. It's performative. I don't I don't enjoy it.
1: It is performative, but it doesn't bother me. I, I yeah. think that when I take hit the entirety of his career into context, I get it. The evolution of Snoop Dogg
0: makes total sense to me. Yeah, yeah it does, it's not something that bothers sure. me, but it's I don't, the American dream to to be real, right? Like to some degree, sure. you you want to go from the guy who's on trial for murder, yes, you know what I'm saying, <laughs> to like you're a household name and you and everybody's children know who you are. Like yeah. that's what you want. Like you want to yeah. be there. And he's also a well. celebrated pot smoker. <laughs> <laughs> celebrated right, pot right, smoker, right? You know, no um, one cares. Yeah, it's the transition he's, you want to make. He's doing it's a just, roast for
1: Donald Trump.
0: <laughs> not sure if folks
1: remember this. I think it was yeah, in did. 2012 or 2013. This is before Donald Trump became very political. Yeah, but they did a roast for Donald Trump. And Stoop Dog was and on Snoop there. Was like the and he was actually the is. first to pop shots at him for not letting black people stay at his apartments or oh, something really? along the lines. Of that. He did it in I a joke, he and he like people laughed. Yeah, but he was yeah, definitely yeah. popping shots. Donald say he wants to run for uh,
0: president and move on into the White House. Why not? It wouldn't be the first time you pushed a black family out of their home.
1: But on the real though. And you could tell between the two of them, like it was all yeah, love. Yeah, they know each but other. But it was still cool. like this right. you know, is very well known. It was just <laughs> it was it was hilarious the way that that came together. Like yeah. if you go back and you watch the Donald Trump roast now,
0: uh-huh. it's just it's just better now okay. than it was then so quick quick one before we jump because i know we're, we're talking about a, a bunch of tangential stuff is there a more perfect single to kind of introduce an artist to the world who people kind of know a little bit but don't all the way know then who am i what's my name you know i've often kind of thought about
1: that mm-hmm. in the sense that um you know when i went back to go listen to this album in in high school mm-hmm. That was actually a song that I used to skip a lot, Mm -hmm. precisely for that reason, Mm -hmm. because that was the one song that I had always, always known. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. But not only that, it kind of felt like, oh, that's like the intro piece. Right. But when you say that now, that kind of all comes together for me. And I think you're right. I think it is a very, very good intro song like where it's mm-hmm.
0: definitively just someone you know i, just I remember, remember so obviously right my dad's from nigeria so i remember my dad learning about who snoop dogg is and my dad yeah. is really funny because when he like finds out about something in pop culture that he likes he really like takes to it and he'll yeah. tell you the story of it like it's something that he's the only person in the whole world who knows about right, right. so i remember him coming and being like there's this is guy he looks just like a dog. And he has a song, <laughs> it's like a dog song. And then, and it has a music video where his head, it turns into it's a, a dog. dog, right? My dad's, he just thought that this was the most amazing thing ever, that there's this guy, he has this Snoop Doggy dog song. They're singing Snoop Doggy dog. And then he looks like a dog already. And yeah. then he turns into a dog. Like the video was perfect. The song is so sing-songy. It's like the first time you hear it, it's infectious. It's yeah, it stuck is. in your head. You're singing Snoop Dogg. Yeah, dog, dog. Everywhere you go, and you're, you're like, why did this happen? So um, shout out to George Clinton. Shout out to them for putting that together. Because supposedly they had George Clinton and his band come in to help perform yeah, no, that, the, makes that sense. interpretation of Atomic Dog or whatever. But, dude, perfect first single for, you know, an album to introduce an artist. Like, that's great. No, I agree.
1: Yeah. I agree.
0: And... I wish at this point in time, when I listened to this the first time, I realized how good a piece of music Doggy Dog World is. Oh, yeah. It's just so amazing. Every time I listen to it, I feel like it's amazing again. And I'm just Mm -hmm. like, why is this such an amazing piece of music? I don't know. And you're telling me that Daz was responsible for this?
1: Yeah. What other records is Daz really well known for aside he's, from the emphasis of a writer what he's are, what known for uh,
0: multiple records on that Two of America's Most Wanted Off oh, of, yeah, off of that, that Pac he did a, a, at least a handful of those basically Daz is like Daz was very instrumental here but he also was instrumental when Pac came home and did mm-hmm. uh, All Eyes on Me as well so. I gotcha any other things we want to highlight on this? on the album itself yeah. uh, are we going to talk about the artwork at all?
1: sure yeah talk about it the thing that I love about the art is that It is kind of amateurish, but it's very consistent. And what it does do very well is tie in the entire theme of the doggy style, Mm -hmm. as well as like the content on it, Mm -hmm. right? Because, like, you know, it's a cartoon, it's a comic, so that already tells you that it is a a little sophomore. They're Mm kind of owning up to that. And so, I just think it does very, very well. Like it ties oh, yeah. in all the themes. You know, yeah. he's sitting there, he's he's a dog chasing the the, the tail or whatever. Yeah. He's got his forty, he's got his blunts. Right. He's getting chased by the cops and they're trying yeah. to they're trying to throw him in the in the dog pound or whatever. Like <laughs> I just thought they tied everything together nicely with that artwork.
0: Yeah. I remember reading something about the the folks that did the artwork and they were talking about all the backlash that they got because I'm you sure know, they did get as, backlash. Right. As as you said, right? Like it's there's very mature subjects and themes, but it's a cartoon. So it's like, you know, this was around the C. Dolores Tucker time and all nine. So rap is already getting this backlash. And then they portray the gangster lifestyle, you know, with with all of these cartoons. And um, another interesting thing is um, The Game put out an album a few years back where he went back and got those cartoonists to do his cover as well. I think the album's called 1992. Um, oh, right. and it, he's also the, they did the same cover and it's like very similar, you know, artwork and everything. I thought that was really dope. It's also cool that
1: oftentimes when you have people coming out of the same camp, their album covers, the album art looks very similar to each other. And mm-hmm. the album art for chronic looks wholly different yeah. than the album art for doggy style. Now what they have right. in common is that the chronic is the chronic mm-hmm. and you've got the chronic looking like i rolling guess the papers. chronic yeah right. exactly looking like rolling papers and stuff like that right so i guess that's the theme that they share the album art corresponds with the theming of the album mm-hmm. but it looks very different like whereas yeah. if you go and when, when cash money started rolling out mm. or when that that tank and no limit started rolling out right. all that album art looked the same like yeah. you definitely knew like oh this is no limit this is cash money yeah this is rough riders whoever like uh-huh. you know i do like that you have you know same camp Mm -hmm. producing music that just looks at least on the surface level looks
0: different i just thought that was kind of cool yeah no that's super dope as you know like during the production of this album um he he obviously goes on trial for murder right like the murder situation happens and he's on the run for a while and then you know he finally turns himself in whole nine well obviously that delayed the the release of this album Mm -hmm. and i remember there was a story about um So the very end of the album, particularly Pump Pump, I know, it might have been the song before Pump Pump and Pump Pump, but anyway, the guy who was mixing that record, they got to a point where basically the streets wanted this album so bad and the pressing company was was waiting for them to turn this album in. And so this guy's responsibility was to mix the last two songs and, and, you know, mix and edit the last two songs before they could turn in the record. And they said that <laughs> basically Suge showed up with a whole bunch of dudes. Jimmy Iovine happened to be there as well. And he said, look, we're losing $42,000 an hour on this album. So essentially, like, you need to mix it now. Like, because if we don't turn it in, like, they had like a certain deadline that they, they had to turn it in by. And they were losing $42,000 an hour. That's on crazy. That's crazy. They were just talking about how everybody wanted this album. and um, That's probably
1: why those last two songs don't sound well, particularly yeah. G's Up and Hose Down. Yeah. That song does not sound mixed as well. It, it's not mixed as well as some of the previous ones on there. That makes yeah. sense. Pump Pump yeah. comes together nicely. Oh, it's
0: beautiful. I yeah. like that. And they also said that... Um, basically suge said that out of pocket death row had to pay five million dollars in legal fees just to keep snoop out of jail long enough to finish working on the album um that's crazy yeah he was talking about how like they didn't think that snoop was gonna make it out and how jimmy Iveen had kind of bet against him and was like well look we're not gonna pay for that because we don't know if this guy's ever gonna get out
1: what's the word on the street did he actually do that he didn't do it he didn't do it it wasn't like a Ray Lewis situation
0: it was his um, his bouncer okay so it was like he was chilling with his man who was his security right and it was like a murder was the case type situation I think where like dude knew he was Snoop Dogg and so like you know dude tried to run up on Snoop Dogg and a shootout ensues and his bodyguard hits the dude and so but they like they like knew him or something the story is like a, it's kind of so like then why weird would he story. ever be put on trial just cause he was because he sneaked off yeah yeah. and of course he's also not gonna be like it wasn't me it was my body you know what I mean <laughs> <laughs> so
1: where was the yeah. performance where he comes out and does this song He they roll him out in the wheelchair yeah in the wheelchair what, what performance
0: was that I don't remember it was like the source awards or something. I remember that awards. was a really iconic yeah, moment though yeah it was it was yeah anyway incredible album Incredible crew, um, and really not much more to say about that. About the album itself, but I yeah. feel like Snoop is somebody who
1: is interesting because, you know, you and I go back and forth on Snoop a little bit. Mm. I think I'm probably a bigger fan of him as an MC than you are. Right. And I fully cop to the idea that, you know, it's his charisma, it's his flow. I think sometimes he has some bars every once in a while. Like, mm-hmm. he has some rhymes. I-, I think that he does nicely here and there, but... I will agree with you in the sense that in totality, he probably has a rather underwhelming catalog. But mm-hmm. I think it's a testament, the fact that he's been able to achieve the level of status that he's been able to oh, get to man. really yeah. with just one really, really,
0: really dope album. I think Blue Carpet Treatment is really good too. When, when did that come out? 2006, maybe? Seven? But this comes out in
1: 1993. Right. You know what I mean? And so Snoop Dogg was very relevant way before like how many people wish that they could just put out an album and then 13 years
0: later put out right, another right, thing album right. he still has a lot of material to answer for man that. the dog father is probably like when people talk about the sophomore jinx they're talking about that album yeah uh <laughs> yes this is true
1: among among there's some other ones that we could list which yeah, we actually have yeah, yeah. covered on this podcast but yes you're, you're absolutely right but still i'm just impressed that he's been able to get this far with having Mm -hmm. some underwhelming music. I mean, I think he's had, he's been smart about having singles here and there that that rock the charts, Mm -hmm. right? And they got all this attention. They got us moving in the clubs. The video stayed heavy, you know, on BET and MTV. Yeah. But I think that really, like, personality more than anything else has been yeah. able to get him to the the level that he's at. Well,
0: that and, you know, what I said earlier off the mic, right? Like, Snoop is one of the only artists in that older guard that has just unequivocally embraced everybody who came after him, whether they were good, bad, or indifferent. He doesn't yeah. care. You could suck, you can be great. He's gonna give you a hug and try to do a song with you. And if the sound changes and you know, all of a sudden everybody's doing mumble rap, Snoop Dogg gonna come out with a Snoop Dogg mumble rap record. If, if he's filling dance hall, he's gonna do a dance hall record. If he's filling gospel, he's gonna do a gospel record. Yeah, like yeah. Snoop is somebody who, you know, when it comes to like, oh, this doesn't sound like a Snoop Dogg record, like. He just will do whatever, whatever. And I think that's something that is assisted. Does that annoy relevance. you? Sometimes, yeah. It doesn't really
1: annoy me, but I also yeah. don't pay attention to these projects maybe as much as you do. So, which ones uh, yeah. do kind of annoy
0: you? The one that he did with all actually the two that he did with All Pharrell, the Bush album was not good. From the church to the, the palace. The paid the cost um, of being the boss, I think, is another yeah, one. Yeah, that one was was not that it good. It had some joints on there. It though. had a, a couple joints. Like Beautiful is yeah. on there, right? Like it so, had, it had he, a bu- It had a few joints on there. Yeah, but I mean, you know, I, the thing about Snoop is, you know, for me, that's different from everybody else. Yeah. And, you know, shout out to Ken Dog. Ken Dog is the person who put me on. But one of the things that Snoop always did was He would make these Welcome to the Church volume one through 30 or however many are out there where he would take dudes from the neighborhood, do up and coming dudes, whatever, and he would make albums with them and just sell them locally. Mm-hmm. So like a lot of people on the East Coast have not heard these records. A lot of people out there in global markets haven't heard them, but yeah, these this records are around. To me. Yeah. So for example, a good example is High Tech, right? Uh-huh. I'm a huge fan of High Tech. We've right. talked about how I love the Reflection Eternal album, not because of Talib Kweli, but because High Tech yeah. is an amazing right. producer. High Tech got quiet for a couple of years and then a lot of people don't know, but he actually got signed to some management group under Snoop and Dre. And he did a bunch of beats on a lot of these Welcome to the Church volumes. So there's like, there's all these like, <laughs> like underground almost like records with like the East Siders and high tech or like, you know, random cats from L.A. and high tech. You know what I mean? So I feel like. Even when he was out here doing shit that I didn't necessarily think was all that great in the mainstream to stay relevant, he was still making great musical pro- product. He just wasn't necessarily pushing it out there like that with his image. So I've always had respect for Snoop just for that and how he he's always just been somebody who just always try to push people forward and help out in the community and stuff like that, which you don't get a lot of. Yeah, I
1: mean, Snoop Dogg is a very interesting character. Yeah. Uh, the simple fact that he tried pimping, <laughs> and that he was making pornos or whatever.
0: Those are the things that I didn't want to mention, but yeah.
1: But I think that it's <laughs> necessary almost. Yeah. I mean, you got him doing videos with Martha Stewart. Right. He's got gospel records. Who knows? He could put out a little country record with Willie Nelson or something mm. like that. Like, and that would have surprised me. Yeah,
0: I would be surprised. At you all. know
1: what I mean? He jumped on the, the auto tune trend and did the, yeah. the sexual yeah. seduction, yeah. which was actually a dope record. But. Yeah. Like, none of this surprised me. I Mm -hmm. feel like he's someone who embraced the love that he Mm -hmm. got from the mainstream America. He embraced the fact that they celebrated him as this cool pot smoker, layback personality. He's hosting TV shows or whatever. See,
0: That's the thing that I think is different about him and a lot of these other personalities that get really big. I think Snoop is really cool. Like, I I think Snoop is really somebody everybody would want to hang out with, be it white people, black people, Asian people, whoever. Like, that's really him. And then, you know, as a result of how infectious his personality is, he as a creative is able to just go out there and do whatever his heart feels at any given time or even if it doesn't. And that's a liberty that everybody can't necessarily be afforded. That really goes to just show personality that he has yeah
1: um, because i don't think it's entirely due to the music yeah whereas i think that when jay-z got to the level that he got i don't think it was really his personality I, mm. it definitely helped but i think it was the music and I, I his, think was and his, his, his person- willing
0: to to be super cutthroat in business
1: it was and i i think i think it was his personality on the tracks whereas i think that snoop it was his personality a lot of it was his personality outside of the music yeah it really
0: really helped guide his career forward yeah. so yeah one last thing before we dip out is the next episode a lot Mm -hmm. of people don't know about the next episode story which is he says just chill to the next episode at the end of nothing but a g thing right the next episode was a record that was recorded for doggy style and was not included on doggy style because they ended up using the beat for warren g song yeah so they cut it and then we finally get a new version of the next episode on the chronic 2001 right so i thought that was an interesting story
1: just so we're clear for the listeners that beat that's on the next episode of chronic 2001 is not the original one that they were going to use for Mm. the next episode. right it's a completely
0: new song yeah right
1: so i thought that was interesting too cool so yeah i think that should wrap up the 25 year tribute for snoop dogg's debut album Doggy style do you have anything else to add nope so the next few episodes uh december is going to be kind of tricky for us we're going to try to do the quarterly report as well as the yearly awards and then we probably won't have any specific content coming back out until january i am actually going to be leaving the country for much of december i'm going to be i'm going to london Going to Germany and I'll be in Lagos as well. First nice. time
0: in Nigeria. Oh, do you think I'll yeah. be in South Africa for the first time? Really? So, yeah. Well, you
1: gonna you gonna be in Cape Town, Germany. Cape Town? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yo, have a lot of fun. For go sure. out there, we'll listen talk. to all that. Go to the townships. Go to Guguletu, <laughs> uh, and make sure you you check out all that good house music that I oh, used to we'll, DJ. We'll,
0: I'll, we'll chop it up. I'll definitely get the the lay of the land from you beforehand. And, cool, and, cool, and cool. Likewise, so.
1: Alright, so hope everybody enjoyed their Thanksgiving and yeah, peace.
0: Peace.
1: so much drama in the lbc it's kind of hard being snoop d-o-double-g but i somehow some way keep coming up with funky ass shit like every single day may i kick a little something for the g's and make a few ends as i breeze through two in the morning and the party still jumping because my mama ain't home i got bitches in the living room getting it on and they ain't leaving till six in the morning so what you wanna do? Shit, I got a pocket full of rubbers and my homeboys do too. So turn off the lights and close the door. But but what? We don't let them hoes. Yeah. So we gon' smoke an ounce to this. G's up, hoes down. Why you motherfuckers bounce to this?